Welcome to Postscript. My name is Paul Easter. I'm the lead pastor here at Compass Point, and I have the privilege of being on the other side of the microphone today, being the interviewer. And with me mm-hmm. today is Pastor Dave Severns, our worship pastor. Uh, thank you so much for being here and uh, taking the time to study such a difficult passage. It's uh, it's excited to be able to dig into this this morning. So welcome. Yeah. Good to, have, good to have you. Yeah. Thank you. So let's uh, let's jump right into this. I mean, we can start by talking yep. about some of the technical issues we had on uh, on our Sunday service. But you know what? It's kind of irrelevant at this point. So let's just uh, jump it into is. this passage and think a little bit about uh, you know, what you were learning as you were studying this. So tell us, you know, just as we jump in here, give us a bit of an overview, some of the things that uh, caught your attention as you got into this difficult idea of anger in the Psalms and how do we do that well? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I'll say is, uh, you know, being in Psalm 109 or, or the other Psalms like it, um, I'm, it's uncomfortable. It's not, it's not easy. It's not something that seems to have a simple answer, um, and I, I'm not even coming out this side after having done a lot of study. I'm not like, oh, this is simple. This is straightforward. It's, it's complicated. Um, I do think it's really important. We see the Psalms of anger as, um, a recognition that things aren't right in the world, yeah. uh, that things don't feel right. And the fact that we can bring that back to God, um, that there is, there seems to be cause for, for this kind of anger that, and we, we can actually lay that on God's shoulders and that doesn't seem to be a problem, which is a little bit shocking to me, but, but kind of cool. Um, yeah, this invitation to be open and honest. Uh, I'm not sure, honestly, that the center section of the imprecatory, imprecatory is just kind of the angry, that's the, the, the technical um, academic term for these types of Psalms. Um yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about it. And honestly, there's debate between, you know, people who are like, "This is this is an example of what we can do," and people who are like, "Yeah, this is an example of sinful behavior of bringing, you know, saying these things." Uh, but everyone's in agreement that this this journey through this uh, this disorientation that I talked about is uh, is kind of human. And then the the turn back to God at the end, which is both a turn to like releasing this. Uh, into God's hands and and saying like yeah I kind of I kind of overdid it and what I said there isn't actually what I'm going to do and shouldn't be what I'm going to do I'm called to love and forgive yeah um, so, so, that's, so yeah and is that helpful overview yeah of course it is and let's jump back into these ideas of uh, disorientation and orientation because you mentioned that just briefly there uh, tell us yep. a little bit about how mm-hmm. you see the Psalms um, in relation to that. Yeah, so I think the Psalms, uh, the three categories, and this is from a, an academic named Walter Brueggemann, um, a great little book called The Spirituality of the Psalms, and he, he writes about this as well as in his commentaries. Uh, and this idea that a lot of the Psalms are Psalms of orientation, they're um, the ones that kind of teach us in some ways and remind us of the good that is God and his promises and his ordering of the world, uh, the fact that we should and can praise him, um, the fact that he he blesses, he remembers, he forgives. It's kind of this right orientation. Um, it's what we think of when we think of like, what does it mean to follow Jesus in some ways and to be a Christian? It's kind of like, this is what's right in the world. Um, and those are the ones that are pretty easy. They're easily quotable. We like them. Um, Psalms of disorientation tend to be the ones that we are a little less comfortable with. They're the laments, the the ones that are about sadness and about hard times, and then as well as these imprecatory ones often. Um, and then lots of these, like I'll say, these are three categories, but lots of Psalms are kind of blended in between these. Uh, and then lastly, the Psalms of reorientation, which are, 
I mean, at times the Psalms of Orientation are actually reorientation. Um, we're kind of constantly going through this this cycle uh, of learning and growing um, and and realizing what we thought we knew and what we thought we we believed. Um, you know, we we actually need to grow through that and and learn and and maybe not that it's not true, but but our experience doesn't match up to that. And and those are the moments of disorientation. Those moments where we like, hmm. you know, the story of Job is a story of disorientation. Um, of God kind of, uh, yeah, allowing things to happen that, that seem contrary to what we think God should be. Uh, and then at the end, actually, no, um, God is still God and we are still, uh, his people. Uh, and that, that doesn't actually work against things. So this, this disorientation seems to be a pretty, pretty big theme. Um, and one of the interesting things to me is I, as I read this, you know, we, it, I think some people's reaction, and even mine at times, is kind of like, "Oh yeah, that's Old Testament theology. Um, that's that's something that was true." But now we've got Jesus, so like, it's all about new orientation all the time. It's pretty simple. We're always oriented, um, which I think you know Jesus absolutely hints at that, points at that, uh, and it's probably more true that we can live in this new orientation and even in the old orientation, like the the right orientation of God's goodness, but. Um, we know from the New Testament uh, and from the lives we live that the fullness of the kingdom of God isn't yet here. We still live in disorienting times. We still live with uh, hurt and sick and pain. And, you know, our our right reaction to someone we know and love um, being diagnosed with cancer or being in a car crash or um, having a house fire, right? That should That should actually cause us to go, wait a minute. I know God, you say you're faithful, but this doesn't add up. Yeah. Um, and there's permission for that. It's not that we have to blindly be like, oh, God is good. So, well, there's mu- there must be a reason for this. It's it's actually saying like, God, you're good, but I don't get this right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think probably one of the one of the really powerful things that you shared on Sunday that that I was really um, struck by. Uh, was, you know, your characterization of uh, Christ followers as sometimes being people that are kind of numb to the hard realities in the world in the sense that um, they always uh, can put on a smiley face or, you know, kind of the plastic smile. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, you had, you had talked about our reputation as followers of Jesus. And, and it's kind of a tricky one because I think sometimes our reputation is that we are people who are angry, um, you know, a lot of times. But then at the same time, we're also known as people yeah. who aren't. And maybe, you know, it may be that as followers of, of Christ ourselves, we want to put that characteristic on ourselves as people who are full of joy all the time. And so there's that kind of, hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, I'm someone who is happy because Jesus is in my life. And and I think that, you know, it, that was something that you would identified as this idea of like, when we don't get angry, we have to question whether we care. And and I thought that was a really, a really insightful thing and, and a good reminder for us that that anger actually is something that shows there's something underneath, right? And 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 you touched a little bit on that mm-hmm. um, you know, on on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I actually think that um what you're saying there, like we're both people who are known to be kind of happy, clappy and numb. And we're people who are known to be angry. Um, I think they're, they're actually two sides of the same coin in that. I think the anger that we're known for is kind of this like sudden boiling over anger that comes out of a repression of anger. In Mm -hmm. fact, of kind of this idea that we need to be kind. And I, and I know, 
you know, uh, I'm making blanket statements here. Everyone is different. Uh, everyone's experience is different. Of course. People have yeah. different personalities and different ways of dealing with things. I get that. Um, but I think that uh, even even as I think about Christians in, in TV shows I know, right, some of them are known as super nice, wonderful people. And then they have these moments where they snap right, yeah. and they lose it. Uh, and I, I actually think that this psalm presents for us a model for being able to put our anger in the right place so that we don't snap and lose it. Because I think that's the danger in repressing it, in pretending like things are okay. Yeah. Um, and not that, like, we were talking in the hub uh, on Sunday afterwards about this this tension between, like, honesty and openness and also self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, right? And, and there is this yeah. call to self-control. We shouldn't, every time something goes wrong, we don't need to, like, write super angry letters. Um, yeah. And there is this measure in which... Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm helping my kids with this right now. Uh, even this morning, we had computer issues because my life is full of computer issues, um, right. right? And like, my kids just kind of lose it and and it makes me want to lose it, but I need to model for them self-control and, and help them. Like, it's actually, this is not a big thing to get angry about, have better perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to know what those things are uh, yeah. at times and to feel like, I yeah, I, I think... Um, the way you you paraphrased me in, in probably even a more helpful way. If we're not getting angry about something, do we even care? Right. So it's a good question. Let, let me jump into another thing then, because we we talk about this idea of being uh, in Christ, and we're sort of at a different time in history, and so we can look at some of these things from a bit of a different perspective. Um, you know, certainly, and and you know, l- there's no doubt. Let's not sugarcoat it either. The New Testament does speak negatively about anger in the sense that there are times when anger can lead us to all kinds of things that we have to really guard ourselves against. Absolutely. But, you know, what I'm really interested in is the difference the Holy Spirit makes uh, from now and, and then. You know, I, I, you know, this isn't something that you talked about specifically, but what do you think the difference of the Holy Spirit makes in our lives? You know, the, the people who are writing these Psalms early on you know, had a different relationship with the spirit of God, um, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, you know, post, uh, Pentecost, we have the spirit within us. So mm-hmm. does that make a difference when it comes to anger? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good, good question. I think it probably should. Um, I would also, I would want to go back and read specifically about David and what it said about the spirit of God on David. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to me that a lot of these songs are, are, you know, from David or, or uh, written as from David's perspective, certainly. Um, and I think there was a fair amount of uh, David being anointed by the Spirit. And, and that, you know, it causes us to question what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and how are things different? And I don't, well, I don't have great answers for that right at the moment. Um, but I do think the Spirit kind of uh, I want to say quickens the process here. Like, I think the process we see here in the Psalms is this, like, releasing things back to God in this corporate setting, in this system of sacrifices and all kinds of things. Um, and what Jesus has done, and and the Spirit gives us access to what Jesus has done to be able to go directly to the Father, um, it's the Trinity all wrapped up there, uh, is he, he kind of, like, he gives us direct access. We no longer have to have priests or like you and I know that we don't have different access to God than anyone else. Yeah. Um, any other follower of Jesus, we're, we're all the same. You, you know, you can't go through us to get to God. Uh, we, we all go through the spirit. So I think there's in some ways, um, there is kind of this openness here to be able to do things differently without ritual. Um, 
and also to be guided and prompted by the Spirit in new ways. Yeah. Like I think, uh, even as we read this this psalm and uh, the story that I kind of overlaid with it, the one of David uh, with Saul and and David specifically in the in the tomb, right? I I would say, I think David was led by the Spirit in that moment not to kill Saul, yeah. but instead to choose the course of actions. Um, and we can kind of have that yeah. all the time, uh, anytime with any situation, and, and we can give our anger back to God and then allow the spirit to lead us in those moments. Yeah. It, seem, it seems to me like, you know, you talk about fruits of the spirit and, and those kind of things. It, it, mm-hmm. it allows us an avenue that may have been a little bit more murky uh, in the past in the sense yeah. that, you know, these things needed to be spoken out loud. They needed to be, you know, kind of reiterated and shared um, so that in community there could be a, you know, sort of a, a you know, a reorientation uh, through that process as they sort of recognize the brokenness of the world, right? And mm-hmm. I guess they're, you know, yep. it, not that any of that is is not appropriate yep. at all anymore, but we do have this opportunity to allow the spirit to guide us um, in some of these, you know, ways of thinking. But I think we still have to be open to it right so we still have to bring our anger to god yeah you know and allow the spirit to go at work in our lives right but that's mm-hmm. cool yeah and, that's and, it and yeah i was just gonna say i think the spirit um maybe maybe does a lot of the work of refining our anger into uh kind of right. righteousness in the sense of right actions towards the anger um like i so i i use the example on sunday of a lot of leaders use frustrations to uh, to, to motivate them to lead well and to make the world a better place, right? And and I, I I think that's kind of, with a lot of anger and a lot of wrong things we see, that's the right kind of action right. um, that we want. We, we want to, you know, I, I think when we hear about, um, okay, when we hear about the, the crisis in India right now, the COVID crisis and the fact that thousands of people are dying and the medical system is collapsing and, and it is... Um, tragic. It really is. I think we should quickly cry out to God and say, God, this doesn't seem right. I don't get it. Um, and we should also be quick to pray for those people and the caregivers and the politicians and the, you know everyone there. And we should also then move pretty quickly to, okay, what can I do to help? Uh, and maybe right. for some of us, it is just praying and, and intentionally praying. Maybe for some of us, it's um, giving or, or finding ways to get involved or, you know, I, I, I work with compassion and, you know, we sponsor a bunch of kids as a family. And this is one of the ways that I, I, I respond to the anger of the injustice of the world by supporting justice um, practically. And I think that's, that's actually like, we need this kind of motivation. Yeah. Um, we need to be able to see these things and then to move to right action quickly. And I think the spirit helps guide at that. Um, yeah, and this yeah, really and this seems to be a good direction that we're heading here. So, tell us a little bit more about how we deal with it. So, you know, you, you've certainly touched on on you know allowing it to move us to action. Mm. Um, you know, what what if what if the the anger is you know as as recorded here in, in Psalm one hundred nine against um, enemies, you know, sort of generically or something that is yep. you know like how do we deal with it? What do we do with it? What are some practical things that we could um, you know a uh, deal with it ourselves, or maybe B, we can extend this a little further. The conversation and, and say, what does the church do with this kind of thing? Like, how do we how do we deal with this? Yeah, uh, I mean, we definitely pray for our enemies. Um, and again, this is it's easier to do when we're talking about evil in kind of a generic term, or we're talking about a virus, or we're talking about even poverty. Um, although you can trace a lot of that back to people, even. 
um, maybe not viruses, but, but poverty and kind of systemic mm -hmm. problems uh, with, with leaders and with, you know, corruption and what, and what have you. So I think, yeah, first of all, we admit that we do have enemies uh, and that we feel those people are enemies. And in, in naming them, um, we also give them back to God. And I think that helps us move towards forgiveness. I say, I think, because honestly, this is not something I'm super well practiced in. Um, it's not something I, I don't feel like I have yet in my life encountered really significant enemies. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that's not granted and I know that's different than a lot of people. Um, uh, but I think we still like th what the new Testament says about praying for our enemies, forgiving our enemies, loving our enemies is absolutely where we get to. Mm -hmm. Um, I, but I, I think that often we try to do that without first admitting their enemies. We kind of, we try to bottle up that anger, uh, and just kind of pray generically. And I think this here reminds us that we pray specifically uh, and that we even say like, God, I feel like I want these people to suffer like I have suffered. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's basically what the psalm is saying. I feel like these things aren't fair. These things aren't good. But I'm giving them over to you. Um, and you, I mean, one of the, the perspective shifts that we have that the psalmist didn't have is with Jesus and is with this like, God, you have forgiven us in a way that we didn't deserve, right? And that because of the Jewish system of uh, of sacrifices, and I, I, you know, we can overstate this, but I think there was a bit of a like, okay, I can earn my way out of this. That was a bit more understood at the time, and I think the psalmist often understood that actually God's grace was very free. Um, but because we have this way clearer, fuller picture of God's grace, I think we're also called to move more quickly to like, okay. I know I feel this way towards my enemy, but you forgive them and you love them and you're calling me to do the same. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be careful with boundaries, that we shouldn't um, protect ourselves even from enemies. Um, yeah. But I, I think we are still called to to move to that point of love and forgiveness. Uh, and yeah. I actually think that gets easier when we can name them and give them to God. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I, I, you know, it, it makes me think, and maybe we're going back to where we were kind of a bit earlier, but I, I just, to reiterate, you know, sometimes I, I you know, we've often, we often talk about the love of God, but we, it's mm. hard to understand the love of God until we understand how far we've come. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. it's like, you, you know, if right now we're in a pandemic, it's hard to know how much you love your family until you feel a sense of isolation. Right. It's, it's hard to really understand, um, you know, love yep. before without having hate, you know, it's hard to understand forgiveness before that's kind of, mm -hmm. so it's almost like the, 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 this anger, sometimes we, we want to short circuit it and cut it off but it actually it actually allows a path to forgiveness and love yeah. like you've described which is pretty cool yeah um absolutely. i love that yeah what does the church do corporately with this kind of thing um you know certainly we don't <laughs> you know like how do we is is it even something that you know uh should be explored in terms of in terms of anger okay so this is this is really interesting and it, like i said on sunday that i i think it should be and i that is my conviction but i don't mm -hmm. yet know how um i mean i'm debating you know how do we how do we write prayers or psalms songs to do this and interestingly in my study for this week i uh, i talked to both a friend of mine who's who works in an anglican church is a phd in old testament theology so brilliant with this stuff uh, and then uh, my brother-in-law's cousin, who's a, a rabbi in Toronto, 
Um, and, uh, you know, I thought talking to the rabbi, for sure, they're going to give me some kind of insight about how these are used. And he said, well, actually, no, we ignore these. Um, we, we don't, these are not part of our liturgies in any meaningful way. Like the Jewish faith is, uh, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's not at all about grace. Actually, there's a ton of grace in it and we really don't know what to do with these at all. And I'm like, oh, so we're not alone in this. <laughs> you know, it's not, we're, <laughs> there's some common theme there. Uh, and now the, the Catholic church and the Anglican church and a couple others, uh, would these Psalms come up in their lectionary, which is kind of the book they, they pull their liturgies and their services from. Uh, although interestingly, even in modern lectionaries in the past 50 years and revisions, a lot of these Psalms have been taken out, mm. uh, which is still fascinating to me because it, it, it feels like our world is not becoming less angry, Yeah, right? It doesn't feel like we, we would like to believe we've matured beyond it, but I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually do think we need to rediscover these. I think we need to find ways to, to frame them um, and to pray them. And to do it together and to do it like, you know, would I, would I pray them exactly like this with all of this language? Um, not without some context, not without explaining what we're doing and kind of pointing out the, the clear picture. Again, because this is Hebrew poetry, we don't, we don't come to it really easily. It's like reading Shakespeare, uh, but way harder, right? When Shakespeare is hard to read without a guide, without some kind of um, helpful unpacking. And I think the same thing is going on here. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm wrestling through that one. I, I do think though, from time to time, um, we do need to publicly in our services, uh, find ways to pray about the fact that we experience these things and these feelings that we, we feel, uh, enemies and, and our tendency, I think is to soften and soften and soften to the point where we're like, God, you know, we know you love everyone help us forgive because it's hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that that's good, but I actually think there is something here in being a little more publicly honest uh, with the fact that this is like, we feel like we want to do harm to others in the way that we have received harm. Yeah. Lord, we like, we dwell on it and we bottle it up and we need to give it over to you. Um, and we ask that you would do justice because you've told us you are a God of justice. So, would yeah. you be working in that? And I think we need to be able to pray those prayers. Um, I Yeah, I'm actually playing with how do I write this into a song? Uh, I want to try, and it may be really weird and terrible, but I think it's worth pursuing. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a great place to end. Uh, thank you very much for sharing today and uh, spending your time uh, over this past couple of weeks uh, in these Psalms. Um, and, uh, and thank you for listening. And if this is your first time uh, connecting in, you're always welcome to send along your questions or comments. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, thank you again, uh, for listening to Postscript and we'll see you next week.